Good morning. My name is Gary, in case you don't know me. And uh, I want to welcome you all out here, especially if you're visiting with us today. The sermon series that we're talking about that I'm carrying on with today that Tim introduced last week is called Meeting Jesus. And there are several encounters, 30 or 40 encounters, of just individuals that, that Jesus had with people are of individuals that met Jesus in the, in the Gospels. And uh, this book has some of those, and today we're just we're continuing on with that. Uh, before we go any further, though, I did need to let you know, I've been asked repeatedly about how my wife is doing, and so I told everybody I would just give an update on her now instead of repeating myself to everybody that came up to me and talked. Uh, most of you, some, a lot of you heard that we spent, got to spend Friday in the ER over at Oliver Anderson Hospital with my wife. Um, they found nothing significantly wrong with her. As Isn't that normally what happens when you go to the ER? Unless you have blood gushing or you're grasping your left arm. Uh, you go to the ER, they don't find anything wrong with you. But uh, Susan, as you know, has had some health issues. Over the last five years, she has had a condition that they called uh, vestibular neuritis, she gets dizzy spells. And she'll get a dizzy spell, uh, and she'll have flu-like... She'll basically be in bed for two to three days like she has the flu after she has one of these spells. Uh, It limits her ability to drive. The biggest frustration is you don't know what causes it. Uh, It has gotten somewhat better. But about two months ago, she started developing neuropathy which is a numbness and tingling in your fingers. You lose feeling in your fingers, your toes. It can be associated with weakness, can be associated with it also. And she developed that. She went to the doctor about a month ago. They prescribed a a nerve test. Okay, I can never remember what it's called, so I'm not going to try. It's a nerve test, which essentially is, she had this test on Thursday, and as she describes it, they stick you with a cattle probe. Okay, And while they do that, they have another probe that tests how well your nerves are working. And they do this on several places of your body to see how things are working. She had that on Thursday. We were in the ER on Friday. They found nothing significantly wrong with her and the ER. She, you know, they rule out heart attack, stroke, blood clot, pneumonia, and a few other things. She was having a shortness of breath and weakness. And they send you on your way. They did find uh, in her chest some lymph nodes that not everybody has. I thought everybody had the same lymph nodes, but apparently not. She has some in her chest that some of the rest of us don't have. Maybe you have them. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Um, and we're supposed to follow up with our doctor about that. And she's, she's home today. She had another very bad dizzy spell this morning. Uh, yesterday was better. We're assuming at this point that what she's been experiencing over the last few days was just her body's reaction to the nerve test. Um, We don't know that that's what's going on. Uh, We know a lot of you folks have been asking and praying about it. Um, We we ask you just just for two things as you you pray. Um, One is we can figure out what's going on with her. I mean, that's really it. Um, I I like to tell people, I like to remind people when we're talking about doctors, and our frustrations with doctors, that doctors merely practice medicine. Okay, and there's and there's there's truth in that. And I, I I think you know we can laugh at them, you know, like they're weathermen, you know, and you're always getting it wrong. But they they really it's not an exact science. The human body is not as many advances as, as science has made and doctors have made in our lifetime. They are far from knowing it all. 
And they're, you know, if you watch this TV show House, you know, they, it's just, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this, oh, pay the bill. And, and that's, that's what it's all about. But we, our prayer is to find out what's going on with her. I mean, that is our main prayer. I mean, you want to pray that she'd be healed, that's fine too. If it all goes away and we never know, we'll take that. Uh, but for right now, we'd like to know what's going on. And the other prayer is just that you would help Susan and I to know what we're supposed to learn from all this. Okay? Because I don't, I don't, I believe that's what God says. God says in all things, He works. And if you look at Romans 8, verses 28 and 29, what He's saying is, He, and you look at that very closely, He's saying, I use everything to try to make you to be more like Jesus. And I believe that that's what's going on in our lives right now. And so we ask you to pray for that. And with that being said, that moves us on to our person that we're looking at today. And uh, the story we're going to be looking at of someone who met Jesus is found in two places, in Mark chapter 7 and in Matthew chapter 15. If you would like to turn to one of those stories, you're welcome to follow along. I'm going to read the story. I say it doesn't matter which one you turn to, because the story I'm reading, I've actually taken both passages and combined them. Okay? Instead of looking at both of them, or uh, basically there's details in one that aren't in the other, and vice versa. And I believe the details are very important. So if you want to read along, it's, it's, it's probably titled in your Bible, The Faith of the Canaanite Woman. One of them is in Matthew 15, verses, begins in verse 21. The other is in Mark 7, and begins in verse 24. And so guys, I want, to, I want to remind you about this. I've entitled this lesson, The Faith of a Dog. Now that may seem a little odd to you, but if you're familiar with the story, uh, you probably know what I'm talking about. If not, you'll figure this out as I read the story. Begin, anyway, beginning the story, it says, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek. Born in Syrian Phoenicia, she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter, crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So the disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away. She keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Guys, like I said earlier, if you, in your Bible there may be a title above this story and it says the faith of a Canaanite woman. And that is what this story is about. It is about this woman's faith. In fact, in your notes, I, I put down the last verse 
in both of this story from both Matthew 15 and Mark 7. And in Matthew 15, it, this is what it says. It says, Jesus, Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. You have, woman, you have great faith. And guys, today, that's what we're going to be talking about. I told the teachers, I'm going to, it's a holiday weekend, I'm going to try to keep this a little brief, a little short, and we just want to talk about three things about faith. You see, guys, I don't know about, it all boils, it, honestly, it all boils down to faith. I was just talking to someone recently, and they were questioning whether God exists. They're questioning whether they have faith in God, or if they should put their faith in God, or have faith in God. And I just told them, I says, at the end of the day, it all still boils down to faith. What does that mean? It means you can't prove it definitively like in a court of law. At the end of the day, you're going to have to say, I believe you, God. And therefore, I'm going to put my faith in you and I'm going to take action based off what you said. Because I believe you. Guys, faith is what is after. And guys, it's just amazing. Honestly, every one of us live our lives by faith in some capacity already. Do you know that? I mean, even if you're here and you say, I don't believe there's a God. That's a, that's a faith. You're saying, I don't believe He exists. You can't prove that, can you? I mean, you, you have evidence that you say points to the fact that there's no God. But you believe that when you die, there's nothing less else out there. And you can't prove that. And you see, guys, faith is something that we have all the time. And we use it. But guys, Jesus isn't just wanting faith. He's wanting a particular kind of faith. And well, there's three things we want to talk about here. First thing is, is that Jesus is looking for real faith. Okay, I say real faith because as I just said, all of us have faith in something. When you throw the light switch, you have faith that the lights are going to come on, don't you? And the majority of us in this room have virtually no idea how that works. The same can be said for your computer and your automobile. And we act in faith all day long. I have a general understanding of how, how an automobile works. A general understanding. But when I go to replace a part on a car, which isn't often, by the way, I'm just believing that if I replace that part, my car is going to get better. Okay? I don't say, well, I know that... You talk to Chris, he can explain it to you. Chris is a mechanic. I can't do that. I have a faith in that things, certain things are going to happen. Guys, Jesus isn't just wanting you to have this general faith. He's wanting you to have a real faith. And we're going to talk about what that means as we go along here. Okay? But most of us have a faith such like that. And guys, I think it's important that we recognize how we have, what we have faith in already. Alright? And we put faith in things that honestly we shouldn't. Or we put, let me rephrase that. We put too much faith in some things. Okay? Well, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I was just talking about our medical issues. I believe as a, as a society, we place more faith in doctors than we do in God. As a society, 
We look to doctors more for help than we do to God. Now, let me be very clear. I am not opposed to going to the doctor. Okay? Even though they are merely practicing, I I believe they have benefits to us. There's a passage in the Old Testament where King Asa had a foot problem in his old age and he had abandoned seeking God. And they said even when he had this foot problem, he wouldn't seek God. He would only look for help from his doctors. And God wasn't criticizing him looking to the doctors. He was criticizing him looking only to the doctors. And guys, I believe in our society, that's one of the things that we place too much faith in. I believe another one is as a society, we place too much faith in our government. Is that not fair? I mean, we're heading into a presidential election that's over a year away, and it's just getting rolling. Because people are concerned, because people think, they believe, that what happens with the government is going to have way more effect on them than they want. Okay? And, and, can, and can make things happen. I mean, I love it. You can YouTube it. It was from back in 08 when the presidential election was going on. And there's a, there's a recording of a woman, I want to say she was in Florida, who flat said that, and I get these confused because there's two stories, but one woman says she believed that when Obama gets elected, she's getting a new kitchen. I mean, it's it. You know, another woman is recorded. You can YouTube it. It's there. Where the, where the woman says, I believe my mortgage is going to be paid. I'm going to get my house. All these things. And I, I, I'm not going to deny that government's actions impact our life. Obamacare. Um, no, I mean, they do. It does impact you. Don't, I, I, don't get me wrong. I wrote a $1,400 check at the end of last year. That proves that. I have health insurance, and yet I had to pay $1,400 tax on my health insurance premiums. What the government does does impact us. Okay? I, and this is a personal thing I'm about to share to you, because this is I'm not asking anybody to do this. I'm not saying the church endorses this. This is Gary speaking here. Okay? I am likely to not vote in the next presidential election. No, 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 don't, don't. Let me explain. Can I explain first? <laughs> I'm likely to not vote just because I want to emphasize to me that it doesn't matter who's in the White House or who's in Congress. Okay? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's what my focus needs to be on every day. And I don't want to get too worked up in that and too caught up in that. I mean, in all honesty, God, Jesus has something to say about governments. Very clearly. He says, number one, you should pay your taxes. He says, number two, you should submit to their authority and follow their laws in Romans 13. And he says, number three, you should pray for them. Okay? That's it. But but guys, my I don't have time. I'm more interested in following Jesus and becoming like Jesus than I am with some law being passed. I, I I don't know how else to say that. That is what my focus, my marching orders every day when I get up is, Gary, follow Jesus. Gary, become like Jesus. And for that reason, I'm not real worked up about what goes on with our government. It's outside of my hands. And if something passes that I don't particularly care for, that impacts me, as I just illustrated with Obamacare, I just have to deal with it. 
and I have to keep following Jesus. And, and you see, guys, you've got you've to look and you've got to say, some of us have faith, put too much faith in money. Or more, I should say, financial security. Some of us, <clears throat> let's get personal with Gary. I've had to deal with, I place way too much faith in personal comfort. You know, I make decisions based off what is comfortable for me. It's something I'm dealing with. And guys, we live our lives by faith every day. And faith permeates our life. But Jesus is looking for real faith. And more specifically, real faith in Him and His Father. And guys, that's what you see illustrated in this story. Here's a woman who has a very real problem. A child who is possessed by a demon. Doesn't give any other details about it. One of the the versions says an evil spirit. Doesn't matter. She's possessed by something that she has no control over as a mother. It's not a matter of be a better mother. It's not a matter of discipline your child better. It's not a matter of you should get her on some of these highfalutin drugs that don't even, didn't exist back then. It was a matter of she had a problem that she could not solve. So what do you do when you have a problem that you cannot solve? You see, I just want to be very clear, you guys. I believe that every one of you, you should hope that you get a problem you can't solve. You know why? Because then God's got you right where He wants you. Because when you have a problem you can't solve, what do you do with it? Hopefully you turn to God. And that's exactly what this woman does. We don't know what she knew about Jesus. Jesus was trying to keep His presence in this town on the down low. I mean, He's been healing people, He's traveling around, and there are stories all over the Gospels about where He tries to, tries to keep His presence secrets, and people find out, and He's literally outside of His main territory. I don't know if this was vacation. Okay, I don't know if He's trying to get away, but the story merely tells us, how is it? He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Sounds to me like He was hiding. But this woman finds out, and I don't know what it was about this society. I've got, to, I've got to do some research on this. But back in that day, if you had a party, if you had guests at your house, and strangers just started showing up, what would you do? Well, back in Jesus' day, they seemed to just let them hang around. I mean, you got a story where Jesus goes to, goes to a Pharisee's house, and he's reclining, he's eating dinner. <clears throat> And a sinful woman shows up, comes in the house, and, and there's a, I guess this happens a couple different times, and I'm thinking about it. Once, she anoints his head with oil. Another time, she, she washes her, his feet with her tears. And people just kind of show up, and nobody does nothing about it. It's, it's kind of crazy. But I guess that was just the way their society operated. This way it is. Jesus is in a house. He's trying to keep his presence secret. This woman finds out, and she shows up, and dare I say, she makes a scene. Why would a person do that? Why do you show up at somebody's house and make a scene? With a stranger that you don't know, you've only heard about. Usually you know the people if you're there making a scene, right? I mean, they got some TV shows on about that, don't they? 
I mean, you want to get into some of that real reality TV. You get into crazy stuff. Um, I don't like watching that stuff. But guys, this is, what, this is what's going on. The woman shows up. Why does she do that? Because she believes this is the only possible answer to her problem. And that's why I say, I hope all of us get a problem that we can't do nothing about. Guys, she believed that Jesus, Jesus had the power to help her daughter. And she was willing to step out and to take action. Let me ask you a question. What problem do you have right now that you can't fix? What's going on in your life right now that you want different? And you can't do anything about Okay, is it your marriage? Is it your children? Is it a sickness? Is it financial? Is it a relationship that is broken and you can't seem to figure out what you can do to make it better? You see, guys, every one of us has that. But I want you to think about it. And I want you to ask yourself, how are you approaching God about it? You see, because this woman's faith wasn't just a quiet little prayer in a closet. I, there's a country song that's out, and I, 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 I don't remember. the. I wish I would have thought about this earlier and got the lyrics to it. But basically, there's a girl, who, a woman, who's had a breakup with a, with a man, and her mama's showing up and telling her, let's, let's put that crazy out of the way right now. Basically, don't be crazy in public, is what mama's telling her. And says it in a much more eloquent way than what I just had. But she says, put that crazy away. Guys, this woman's getting her crazy out. And here's my question. How crazy are you willing to get to get God's attention? Now, I don't know what that looks like for you. Okay? But let me read back through this story. And just, just some highlights. Okay? It says, she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Have you begged God? Are you begging God? And then she says, crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. Does crying out describe your prayers? I'm sure there's some in this room that it does. But I'm asking you guys, how serious are you about it? Because guys, that's what, they, that's what the picture you have here of a woman with real faith. She's not just going about it in a casual way. She's not giving it a lick and a promise. She's intense about it. And you see, guys, you need to ask yourself, what kind of faith are you displaying? See, guys, in Hebrews 11.6, this is what it says. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him or sincerely seek Him. Guys, you need to understand something. If you are being a follower of Jesus... 
He's expecting you to have faith. He's expecting you to have a real faith and for you to earnestly, seriously, sincerely seek Him out. Guys, that's what this woman was doing. There's another verse there in Luke chapter 18. And it's, this is what it says. It says, However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Now what's significant about this passage in relationship to uh, our story today is this verse is said at the end of a parable that Jesus told that Tim talked about uh, a few weeks back about the parable of the persistent widow. And in the story, there was a judge who was not a nice, he was not a good judge, he was a corrupt judge, and said he never, neither feared God nor man, and this widow had a, had a problem, and she was pleading with him and persisting with him and nagging him to solve her problem, and said, finally the judge says, enough, I'll take care of your problem, just get you to go away. And Jesus said in, in, in verse 1 of chapter 18 that He told this story to, 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 to teach His disciples that they should always pray and never give up. And guys, I believe that what you see here in this story of the Canaanite woman is just is, is a perfect illustration of this. Jesus is saying, will I find real faith? When He looks at this Canaanite woman, He sees real faith. She was persistent. And guys, that leads us to the second thing we want to talk about real faith, and that is that real faith will be tested. I hate this part. I wish it was not this way. I'm just guessing that there may be a few people in the room today who have asked God to take care of a problem Ask God for an answer, and God has not taken care of the problem or given you an answer yet. At least not the way you want it to be answered. And guys, I I wish it wasn't that way. I wish it was just a simple matter of uh, asking God, and boom, it gets done. I wish it was that way. This, is, guys, is not the easy part. I want it to be easy. Back to what I told you about, about it being comfortable. Guys, with this woman, do you see the barriers that she had to deal with? The persistence that she had to do? She didn't stay at home and exercise her faith. She had to get up and go out. She had to go to a room full of potential strangers. At least some of them were. Jesus was. And literally, be crazy. Be intense. Be annoying. She was disturbing a gathering at someone's house for the benefit of her child. Now, I don't know about you, but my faith doesn't usually get answered right away. My questions don't get answered right away. And guys, I believe that's what you've got to look at with this. The persistence of this woman, the fact that when her faith is tested, she didn't quit. She didn't give up. I mean, I'm just amazed that we already talked about her crying out, her begging. And then the disciples come, and what do they say to Jesus? And Let me back up. Do you know what Jesus' response was to her begging and her pleading? 
Let me read it for you. Jesus did not answer a word. That's what it said. I, I hesitate to say he was ignoring him because I'd like to think that he was going, okay, I'm just not going to say anything. But he did not acknowledge her. So he did not answer a word. Didn't say a thing. And what's the next thing that we see that happens? It says, after it says that Jesus did not answer a word, since Jesus didn't bother to acknowledge the woman, his disciples had an idea. You know what their idea was? Get rid of her. Send her away. <coughs> so Jesus finally decides to speak up. And he says, well, I'm not supposed to solve her problem. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And it says the woman at that point, what she does, what did me read it? It says the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. Can, can you listen? Think about this, guys. She's causing a scene, making a ruckus. Jesus ignores her. The disciples say, "Get out of! Let's get her out of here." And what does she do? She draws closer to Jesus. That's her response. And Jesus already said, "I wasn't sent to her." And then Jesus, this, Jesus finally speaks directly to her, the first that we know of. He says, first let the children eat all they want. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, I could be wrong, but if I said that, I'd be in trouble. Okay? In fact, some of you out there have a few things that I've said that I have been in trouble about. Okay, I'm not known for, let me say, I'm known for getting my foot in my mouth. How's that? That's putting it politely. Jesus says, is Jesus, is Jesus calling her a dog? Now it's important to note, guys, I believe that can be taken that way. That What happens if somebody, what would you do if somebody called you a dog? What would you do if somebody offended you? What was your response to that? What is this woman's response? She reasons with Jesus. She stays focused. And she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the children's table. Wow. And it's at this point that Jesus says, I'm going I'm to give you what you want. This, you've got great faith. Guys, your faith will be tested. And you've got to make sure you don't give up. Have you ever asked God for something and you really believed He could do it? And it didn't happen? Which time? <laughs> As I said earlier, I'm thinking everybody in this room... If you're making any effort at all at seeking God, if you're making any effort at all at following Jesus, you've asked Him to take care of something in some capacity. And it hasn't happened. Hey guys, I believe... Number one, I want to let you know, okay, and, and, and this is my fear in talking about this passage and looking at this passage, 
Okay, because she got what she wanted, right? She got what she asked for. And Jesus doesn't ever promise that you'll, everybody will get what they ask for. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but the Bible is full of stories of people who ask God for something, good, godly people who we would call men of faith. And God said no. I mean, you, you look at it all the way down the line. You look at my favorite character in the Old Testament, Joseph. In the 22 years he was separated from his family after being sold as a slave by his brothers instead of killing him. And he spent 13 years as a slave and as a prisoner for a crime. He did no crime, committed no crime whatsoever. Now the Bible never records that he said, God, get me out of this. But I think it's fair to assume he did. And God did 22 years later. You look at, you look at the Apostle Paul in the New Testament and in 2 Corinthians where he talks about this thorn in the flesh that he says three times he pleaded with the Lord to remove it. And each time he got an answer. No. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, guys, it's, it's just amazing to me that God doesn't always answer. I mean, it, it, I want Him to give me what I want, don't you? But He doesn't do it. Even when you look at Jesus, and the night before He's crucified, He's in the garden, and three times it says He asked the Father, ah, can you find another way to do this? And God says No. Guys, I believe that's when the testing of your faith really comes about. Will you still have faith when God says no? You see, that's what it's really all about. You see, the Apostle Paul, when I just talked about, when he asked for the thorn to be removed from him, he was on a mission. I mean, you want to read about the Apostle Paul, it'll almost, it'll challenge the fire out of you because you get the impression the Apostle Paul did nothing except try to tell people about Jesus. They stoned him and left him for dead, and he went back into town and finished his sermon. He traveled around the countryside, and, or the countryside, the world, telling people about Jesus. He was, on a ship, he was shipwrecked in the open sea for three days. And he still, all he wants to do is tell people about Jesus. That's it. Now one could argue, and I believe so, that this thorn in the flesh whatever it may be, may have hampered his efforts to tell people about Jesus some way. I think that's a fair assumption. But God says, no. I'm not going to take care of that problem because my power isn't dependent upon you being physically whole. That's really, literally what he's saying. Guys, the question is, are you going to have faith in God? Are you going to persist in your faith even when God says no. That's the challenge. The third thing, guys, we want to talk to, we want to look at about faith, is that Jesus honors real faith. He honors it. Now, I want to be very clear. Honors doesn't mean gives you what you want. It doesn't mean that. 
But that's what in this situation it did. It says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Guys, I say this because i got to be really careful here. I don't want to be one of those guys that tells you, oh, you do it this way and God will give you what you want. Say, pre- say three prayers, turn around three times, jump up in the air, and, and it will happen. God's not a God of formulas. He's not a genie that gives us what we want. And He is not to be manipulated. But when you have real faith in Him, He will honor that. Well, what does that mean? How does He honor it? Guys, we're sitting here talking. I just mentioned three people in the Bible. Joseph, Jesus, and and, and Paul. And we still know them today because of their faith. Yet they didn't get what they wanted. They didn't get what they wanted. You see, guys, just because... God may be after something more in you than just a change of circumstances. You know what I'm saying? God, and I've said this before, God's more interested in changing your character than He is your circumstances. And guys, I believe that that's what's going on here. Here, There's a passage I want to read for you. It's in Matthew chapter 11. And this may seem out of place unless you paid particular attention to the story that we read earlier. Beginning in verse 20, it says, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of His miracles had been performed, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Anybody notice the connection there? Where's the woman, the Canaanite woman from? She's from Tyre and Sidon. What's Jesus say? He's telling, telling the people where he, all the miracles have been performed. He said, if people in Tyre and Sidon had seen these miracles, they would have repented. And repentance is simply a change in the way you think that leads to a change in action. This woman is proof of what Jesus is saying. She comes in and she has a problem and she gets a miracle performed. In fact, she just I'm assuming she's heard about His miracles. That's why she comes to Him. And you've got to look at this. Jesus referred to her as a dog. Because she was outside of the kingdom of God at that time. She was a non-believer. She was a pagan. She was not an Israelite. You notice she didn't, she accepted her role or that, 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 that tag of being a non-believer that Jesus referred to her as. She accepted that and goes on. Guys, I believe you see what Jesus is telling here in Matthew 15 takes place, I'm sorry, in Matthew 11, is taking place in Mark 7 and Mark, or John, Matthew 15. You find a woman in Tyre and Sidon who's heard about the miracles and she is repenting. And she's expressing this change of thought. You see guys, here's what I'm saying. When she's, when she's acknowledging 
that the, the dogs get to eat the crumbs from the children's table, she's recognizing that God is a merciful God. And she's saying, I'm acknowledging you, Jesus. I'm acknowledging what I know. I'm telling about it. And you guys, you see her repenting. You see her having a change of thinking. <clears throat> Can I tell you that sometimes maybe God's after changing the way you think more than He is changing your circumstances? See guys, here in John chapter 16, Jesus gives us some more information on how to get our prayers answered. He says, very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be made complete. Now I don't know if you realize this or not. How do most of people end their prayers? In Jesus' name, Amen. This is why we do that. You know that? That's, Jesus wasn't telling to end our prayers that way, by the way. Alright? I mean, I, I'm still trying to find another way to end my prayers. You know? Uh, because, but I do it just because that's habit. And it's almost like it comes about like, In Jesus' name, therefore... He said, if I ask in Jesus' name, it'll be done. I'm going to do it. Boom. How's that worked out for you all? Guys, what he's saying when he says, ask in the name of Jesus, he's saying you ask by the authority of Jesus. And what that means is, if you ask for what Jesus wants, you get it. You get it. Guys, sometimes, I'm guilty of not asking for what Jesus wants. How about you? I ask for what I want. And sometimes I think that what I want is what Jesus wants. And guys, that's why I believe God wants to change you. Because a lot of times, if you've asked for something repeatedly, 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 and it hasn't got the answer, I think it's time to start asking, God, what are you trying to do here? What do you want me to change? How do you want me to be different? What do you want in this situation? And I've told you before, I've prayed for years for God to change my wife. Wouldn't answer that prayer. I started praying for God to make me the man He wants me to be. And He still didn't change her. And He made it very clear. I want you to be different, Gary. I want you to be a man after me. I want you to be a man that trusts me. And that's what your focus needs to be on. Guys, when I ask God, you make me what you want me to be, He does it. He shows me. Guys, I believe that that's what you're saying here. Guys, I want to close out. I want to ask you, ask you to ask yourself some questions. And as you know, I asked earlier about everybody has something that they've asked about, that they've asked God to change, that they've asked God for, and He hasn't made it happen. And you need to ask yourself, does Jesus agree with what I'm asking for? 
Does Jesus agree with what I'm asking for? And then the other question is, how is God trying to change the way I think? See, I, guys, I believe that as a follower of Jesus, you should always be asking that question. No matter what's going on in your life, you should be asking, how is God trying to make me be more like Jesus? And I also think that any, if you were ever asked that question, if somebody comes up to you and says, how are you being challenged to be more like Jesus? Or how is God calling you to be more like Jesus? You should be able to give multiple answers to that. All right? I didn't tell you all earlier, some of you know this, you know, I'm talking about Susan having her tests on Thursday and we're in the ER all day on Friday. My mother moved in with us Thursday afternoon. Okay, most of you know my mother had a stroke about a month ago when she was at, we were out of town for my son's wedding and she's been in physical therapy rehab over St. Clair's in Alton since then and uh, she moved in, you know, she's not able to take care of herself completely. Uh, needs some assistance, her apartment's in disarray. Another long story. She moves in with us. Last night I'm sitting downstairs with my mom, and this thought hits me. God, what are you trying to do here? Because I'm not a guy that's known for being real compassionate. Who's laughing? (laughs) I'm not a real good caretaker. Okay, And yet I find myself taking care of my wife and my mother at the same time. I think God's up to something. I don't think it's a matter of pray more for your healing. I'm okay with that. Okay? Susan and I prayed the other night, we said, God, heal. We'd love that. Love nothing more. But I think God's after more than that in my life. God's trying to teach Gary some things. Gary, God's trying to change Gary to be more like Jesus. And then the final question is, guys, what actions am I taking to change the way I think? What actions am I taking? You see, guys, I believe God wants us to have a real faith. And that faith is going to be tested. And God is going to honor that. But that's not a formula. That's a matter of making sure that our faith is that we're going to trust God and ask Him for the same thing Jesus wants. Guys, let's pray. And the worship team come up. All right. Father, You are incredible. And it is amazing... the way You work when we open our lives up to You. Father, the simplest instruction that You gave us or promise that You ever gave us is to seek and You'll be found. But Father, I believe You say that because that's a lifelong instruction. Because Father... There's so many things that get in the way of finding you, of finding what you want. Father, I just want to pray right now we can choose to have a real faith, that we can make it our goal to have a real faith in you. 
And Father, no matter how that's tested, and that may be tested by you saying no. That may be tested by you not answering it for a long time. You seemingly ignoring us the way Jesus did this woman. Father, I just pray that you help us to choose to have that faith and, Father, to see how to do that. Father, that we trust you no matter what's going on, whether, it's, whether the answer is no, whether it's an answer we don't like, or whether it's just the answer is just slow in coming, that we use that as opportunity to solidify our faith, to firm it up, and to trust you no matter what. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.